Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Say Something, a podcast hosted by the Breadcast and Bread Coffeehouse. Bread Coffeehouse is a campus ministry and free coffeehouse at Emory University. At Bread, we believe that stories are so important, and we're always looking for ways to share stories about faith, about life, and about our students. This summer, we're using this podcast feed to amplify and highlight the stories of our black students at Emory University. Today's episode features the wonderful Morgan Patrick, who just recently graduated from Emory back in May. My wife, Alicia, is jumping on this week to ask the questions. I hope you enjoy hearing Morgan's stories. Hello, everyone. My name is Morgan Patrick. I'm a recent graduate of the class of 2020 at Emory University. And I have a bachelor's of science degree in neuroscience and behavior biology, and I have a minor in music. So to start off with, tell me a little bit about where you grew up, what kind of neighborhood, what kind of community. Throughout my life, I've lived in a predominantly white neighborhood. And by predominantly white, I mean that of all my neighbors that surround me, there are only two minority families in the community. One of those is an Asian family, and then my family, the African-American family. So it is definitely a very different type of community, I would say, from my perspective than saying from like a majority perspective of what the community does feel like. Because even here in my community, there would be times where like I'm out running or doing something and like your neighbors will not say hi to you. They'll just keep going by or they act like you don't exist or they'll when they drive by the house, they'll go really slowly and stare like, oh, like you live here. When I'm like, you know I've been living here for the past 10 years, like nothing has changed. So that is definitely the type of community that I've grown up in, that I'm still currently living in. And it's just a very different experience from my background. That's wild that you've been there 10 years and people still seem surprised, I suppose. Right. Have you, normalized that or is that still frustrating or how does that make you feel um in terms of how it makes me feel it is very irritating at times because in a neighborhood like I would like to know my neighbors I would like to know who I'm talking to like a lot of my friends they'll go out and they'll say oh I'm going to my neighbor's house for a cookout or something but that doesn't happen in my community just because it's a lack of people wanting to reach out and getting to know who we are. On the flip side, it is very quiet here. So if I want to come and just like be alone from everything, like no one's going to bother me per se. I can sit out in my backyard and just sit there and chill and be with myself. But in terms of like getting involved with the community or like going to the movies or if they have like a get together, Obviously, we can hear that they're having a party or whatnot, but we're not invited. It's definitely irritating at times and very sad and frustrating, but there are pluses and minuses in everything. You talked about growing up in a neighborhood where you and your family were clearly the minority. Was that also the case in school? And if so, what was that experience for you like? For me, yes, it was the case in school. And through my parents is where my knowledge about my race highly developed. Uh, my parents are very keen on education, so it is important for them to teach me about my heritage because it was not spoken about or written about in our books at school. 
and in the community that I live in, it seemed as if people did not care to acknowledge the views, the lifestyles, the struggles, and the cultures of African-American people. And in my school, books written by African-Americans were not read. The Civil War was hardly spoken about. The history of slavery was not discussed and the genocide of Native Americans did not exist. So when and if it came to race questions in class or in general, my opinion and my voice was always the first one asked because I was black. So the majority of the questions I received were how do blacks feel about X, Y, Z? What is the black perspective on this matter? And so at home, coming away from that school environment, I had to learn about historical black women and men every day. And it was an honor to, because I wanted to see their accomplishments, what they fought for, what I'm fighting for, listening to our music, learning about the race struggle in America, the lifestyles of African-American people throughout history. And so my parents were the ones who enlightened me about that and encouraged me to embrace my people and my culture and be proud of my blackness. So that knowledge that I have came from my family trying to instill that in me and not from my school. And I'm just curious, but in the bonus education that you received at home, was there an African-American figure from history that you have really resonated with? Or like, is there someone that's always been a hero for you? I guess it depends. For me, it depends on one, my mood or like who I'm really admiring that day because each person that I studied is very different from the other in terms of what they were really good at. But someone I think that over time that I really admired their work and they're able to change not only themselves, but an entire country would be Nelson Mandela. What you don't know is I actually got to meet his son. And that was also really enlightening because I got to meet him and ask him questions, what it was like living with his father and what it was actually like in South Africa. And I think South Africa is a very good example of how change can come if people are willing to fight for it together. And just seeing that how Nelson was treated throughout his life and to be able to do that is very encouraging because that's something I want to do for the people in my community. When do you first remember realizing your race? This is a a really good question because I haven't really been asked this before, so I, I do love this question. The first time I realized the color of my skin was in elementary school. In my elementary school at the time, I was the only African-American in my class. And by being the only African-American in my grade made it extremely difficult to make friends. And the majority of the time I was ostracized and bullied 24-7. I can still remember like the torment I was put through by my classmates like it was yesterday. And a particular moment for me when I realized that I would be treated differently was when I was on my way home on the school bus. I remember kids grabbing my stuff and throwing it around, calling me names and teasing me. 
One girl called me ugly. The next said my hair made me look like a monkey. Another boy chimed in and then the next and the next and like everybody was taking their turns weighing in on the levels of my blackness while some of them were frequently calling me by the n-word and these comments they continued for this hour-long bus ride that I had back to my house and what was either more bothersome was that the bus driver did nothing he every once in a while said be quiet back there and that was very sad to me because my greatest crime in their eyes was I was born the wrong shade of white. So to them, I was just an outcast and I didn't have these feelings. And it still bothers me today because that was very traumatizing and no one stood up for me in that moment. It was just me. I'm so sorry that that was your childhood experience. I'd imagine that continued or did it get better through middle and high school? The racism definitely continued. From my elementary, I switched to a different school at the end of the year, but the racism I still felt was still the same. You still have people picking on me, you still have people calling me names, telling me I'm ugly or that I'm pretty enough for a black girl, which in its form of itself is an insult because why can't I just be pretty? So it definitely still continued. This was probably one of the more traumatizing moments I had. Also probably because I was so young and you just want friends at that point. So it's very difficult. You said that in that moment, you felt so alone that you were just having to stand up for yourself because no one else would. Through your childhood and even through college, have you felt any less alone? I think for me, my greatest support comes from my family because my family and I are very tight-knit and one of those reasons is because we're the only ones really of people of color, usually in our neighborhoods or in our schools and stuff. So I'm constantly talking to them and getting involved with them, which is really nice because I do enjoy my family. In terms of friends, as I got to college, I would say I developed some really good friends that have stuck by me and we understand each other's struggles. So that's really comforting to not feel as alone. But even then when you have that, sometimes you can feel alone because oftentimes when I go to work or I go to school, I'm still usually the only person of color in my environment. So you're still having to jump over those hurdles every day even if something's not explicitly said to you you can feel someone saying it to you and you know if someone doesn't like you so I'm just picturing little Morgan on a school bus having this like very traumatic experience and going home what did your conversation with your family look like when you got home when I got home off the bus, I think my mother knew something was immediately wrong because I was running up the driveway crying. I don't know what my mother and father did, or I probably don't really remember uh, what they did when they went to the administration's office to talk about it, but I know at home, they told me to not listen to them because I was beautiful, I was worth it, I am a valuable person, my life matters. Those are the kinds of conversations that they were 
trying to get me to see that some people are just going to hate you just because and what they're saying is not true you shouldn't let what their opinions of you decide and dictate what type of person you want to be so those are the types of conversations that whenever something like this happens you come home you talk about it you just gotta keep going forward you just graduated from Emory. Congratulations. Not an easy feat. Tell me about your experience of being Black at Emory. For me, I was very fortunate enough to attend Emory University. And as most people probably do know, Emory University is a predominantly white university followed by Asians. And so the problem that I face going to this community was in some of my classes and extracurricular activities, I was still one of the only African Americans probably involved in those events. So my experience was a little better, but I felt that Emory still has room to improve when it comes to diversity and equal opportunities for all. However, by living in Atlanta, surrounded by, you know, my African American brothers and sisters, it helped instill in me the courage to be proud of my blackness and encourage me to stand up for what is right without fear of being you know, ridiculed by my opinion. By being in Atlanta, I began to feel more of what my heritage was like and make my voice stronger and strengthen it, which was really important to me. So I would say those are the things that I felt that I have changed individually at Emory is just me being able to define myself as opposed to others being able to define me. You may not be able to think of any examples, but are there any stories or experiences that were formative in that process for you? I would say, I think the first experience that me that really helped me develop was joining our step team at Emory so that I was in Nambika and by being in Nambika I got to connect with all the other people of color who decided to join the step team and that really I guess kind of bonded us in a way because even though we don't see each other a lot because all of us have different majors and they're not really that many of us it helped connect us and know that there are people here and we got you. That was really comforting in a way to know that you have people there, you have a Black Student Alliance, you have these different groups where you have people that look like you. So that's very comforting to have and I think that really helped change my experience at Emory. And you're so talented. <laughs> and I love getting to see it. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> you alluded to this in the school setting, how you were the only African-American student in your class and were expected to be the expert on the Black perspective of X, Y, and Z. And it sounds like that's not only the case in school, but you said like in a work setting or other things. Can you think of any stories where, can you share a story of a hurdle you had to jump through? Well, I can, I can tell you this, just um, 
from the recent holiday, Juneteenth. This is a, a prime example of lack of education in the community about what the day means. But I had work that I had to do and I had people asking, well, should we take a day off as a holiday or should we, we keep working and schedule the lab? And by me being the only African-American in the setting, everybody was like, well, what do you think we should do? In a way, I could see how they were asking because they wanted to make me feel comfortable in the setting to make sure I, I wasn't feeling offended that we had to do work. But at the same time, it is a holiday. So in my mind, I feel like you should, I should not be educating you about what the day is. I should not be educating you on why we should take the day off. We have Christopher Columbus Day off. Why can't we have Juneteenth off? And Juneteenth is even more important because Christopher Columbus, he really was and wasn't a good guy. So that's what I feel. And probably one of the most recent times that I had where someone's asked me, how do I feel about it? And I feel like there are sources out there where you can do the research and figure out the issue. You should not be, unless you truly don't understand something, reaching out to me and be like, teach me the whole history of African-Americans right now so I can fix the problem. Like, I appreciate your assertiveness, but you sh this is a lifestyle you have to be living. Like in light of the recent events, your eyes should, I'm glad they are open now, but what what were you doing before that? Did you just not pay attention to what was happening or you just didn't care? So, and sometimes it does feel like that when people ask me to justify this holiday, justify this event, justify that. It's like, I am one person. I don't speak for everyone, but I would give my best opinion anyways, because in some cases, you're maybe talking to people who don't have that many people of color in their friend group or know that many people of color. You alluded to this a little bit, but the last few weeks have been heartbreaking and difficult and particularly painful for some of my African-American friends. How have the last few weeks been for you? For me, the last few weeks have been heartbreaking and sad and infuriating and I could describe like every emotion in the book I've probably felt at one point or another just because because of coronavirus in the way the virus has helped the issues of African Americans come to light because everybody is sitting, watching TV, looking at the news. Nobody is really doing anything. So all of this stuff is coming to light even though I've been preaching the same thing I've been preaching for the past 20 years. The events that have happened are not new events. Police brutality is not new to the African-American community. It's not new to people of color. Racism isn't new. So I feel like in a way, our voices are being amplified and that's great for the world to hear. But also I feel that during the enlightened events, I've gotten more phone calls and texts from people saying, 
oh, are you okay? Oh, what can I do to help? How can we solve this problem? Please educate me on what's going on. So you have people who are using it as, you know, I want to be in with the people just as like, this is the fad right now. And we're going to post stuff online just to like, be like, oh, just so you know, I'm trying to help, but I'm only doing it because everyone's doing it. And then you have the people who really, truly care. So it's, it's a mixture of emotions for me, and I'm assuming probably other people as well, because we are all facing that right now. Well, before we get to the have you considered, is there anything else that you wanted to share or any stories that you felt I don't know, you just wanted to put out there in the world. I think I would also like to add another story that actually, for me, kind of, I guess, happened a week ago or two weeks ago. And that was just graduating from college. And that is very, like, a high, like, I feel so proud of myself for having graduated from college. And... For me, I had an individual who asked me, because I was wearing, you know, my Emory shirt, I got my gear on, like, yeah, I did it. They asked me, oh, had you graduated from college? And I was like, yes. And then they proceed to ask me what I majored in, almost in like a tone that's like, she probably didn't do something really extreme. And so when I responded to them that I have my bachelor's of science in neuroscience and behavioral biology, Instead of congratulating me, I got the response, oh, wow, you're actually really smart. And you have like this other shock on the individual's face. That for me was really just like, wow. So you have people who don't expect me to one, be smart, but also to have graduated and to push myself to excel. And this is something that I face every single day but it's not just about like the color of my skin it's also about our hair our culture the way we feel sometimes is often portrayed as very taboo and that you shouldn't welcome these things and for my hair for me is very important because it's my natural hair I love it I think it's beautiful However, when I do wear an afro or something, and this happened to me at school a lot, it was probably some of the worst days I've ever experienced because the agony of wearing it, I was constantly and consistently being asked by my peers if they could touch it, like I was some kind of pet to them. And if I told them to stop, they were the ones that got irritated at me for not letting them do it. And I've got complaints that it's a distraction. I've got a complaint that it's too big. And people will laugh at you and they'll put stuff in it. So what I've experienced through racism is that there still needs to be a change in this country. And that it's important for everyone to speak up about it. It's not, shouldn't just be me screaming at the top of my lungs that there's an issue. And I think that people are afraid of confrontation but nothing's gonna get solved if you are silent. So I guess in my closing remarks, I've been a little obsessed with Viola Davis these past few days. I was watching How to Get Away with Murder and everything. So one quote that she said that left me questioning, you know, what can we do? And she said, as black women, we're always 
given these seemingly devastating experiences, experiences that could absolutely break us, but what the caterpillar calls the end of the world, the master calls the butterfly. What we do as black women is take the worst situations and create from that point. So my questions to the community are, have you considered what it would be like to live as a minority in this country? Have you considered how you are going to put a stop to racial conflict in your community? Have you considered that it is our differences that make us stronger, not our similarities?